Well, Monday. There you go. Usually, usually I'm pretty, pretty fresh for a Monday. But you know, uh, over the weekend, did some cool things with um, with a community of mine. Uh, I'm a bit of a climber, a bit of an outdoorsman, and uh, went and supported over the weekend a bouldering and climbing competition, which was kind of cool. We live streamed it, and I did some commentary. It was a bit of fun, and uh, it was all for the young and up and coming rock climbers uh, in uh, in the Gold Coast in Queensland. So there you go. I hope you're all well, wherever you are. And uh, so today, team, I wanted to talk to you about the idea, something I see. Um, <laughs> yeah, listen. Uh, anyway, there you go. A little bit tired um, from the weekend. <clears throat> but one thing I want to talk to you guys about, which I see all the time, all the time that uh, advisors, especially accountants, um, you know, get wrong, property investors get wrong, uh, is the idea that um, depreciation and negative gearing. One of the things I see property investors and uh, accountants and their advisors really uh, sadly misunderstanding that the how to use it and when to use it and is it good, is it bad. There's this kind of rhetoric that goes around that negative gearing is bad. No, rubbish. Negative gearing is fantastic. There's nothing wrong with negative gearing, all right? Negative gearing team is the process, the financial process of you as an investor, a property investor especially has uh, has some significant advantages when it comes to real estate because it's depreciation and I'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Negative gearing is the ability for you as the property investor to offset your tax that you would pay uh, with some of the losses that you uh, have incurred while investing. Now, this is where everyone gets this wrong. Every, this is where everyone confuses themselves and or um, and or their accountants or very ill-informed, um, well-meaning people. Negative gearing is bad. Negative gearing is perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with it as long as you understand how to use it and what it's for as we go. Negative gearing, let's talk this through. Number one, there is a difference between, uh, I'm going to use just the symbols, make this easier this morning, okay, um, as we roll along. There's a difference between negative cash flow and negative gearing. Okay. Negative cash flow is bad. Okay. Don't do it. Negative cash flow is bad, which means you buy an asset, a property, and you have to put your ma- your hand in your own pocket to cover and pay the cost of the property. You know, uh, the rent comes in, you get $20,000 a year for the rent. The interest costs are twenty five thousand dollars. There's another five thousand dollars of cost, and you're you're a thousand bucks a month or close enough putting your hand in your pocket and paying out. That is bad. Okay, big no no team. So you don't do that one. Now a lot of people get confused with negative gearing and negative cash flow. All right. Now can you offset those losses? You lost you lost physically paper cash dollars. Can you offset those dollars? Um, as a loss, and you could offset it against your tax. Yes, you can. But a real cash loss 
is hard to swallow. And, and, and I know many, 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 many of the investors that we work with, uh, many of the folks out there, it, uh, you can't afford that. You can't afford $10,000. Um, even after tax, if you offset that $10,000 cash loss, you get maybe $5,000 back. You're still negative $5,000 cash in your pocket. It doesn't work, okay? So negative gearing um, is perfectly fine. Nothing wrong with negative gearing. Negative gearing is the process of applying a loss to your income to then offset, <coughs> excuse that, excuse French, offset the amount of tax you pay. All right. Now, I'm probably not telling many of you guys uh, something that you don't already know, which is great. It's great to see many of the clients in the mentoring program making sure that they uh, claim their taxes. But here's some of the challenges I see with some of the advisors and um, uh, some of the team out there when it comes to the people they listen to or the people they're getting advice from when it comes to depreciation and negative gearing. What goes up in value, team? Chuck it in the chat. There's two parts to real estate. There's two pieces to the real estate game. There's the house. There's the, the piece of, um, there's all the materials. And then there's the land. Which bit goes up in value? All right, tell me in the chat right now, which bit goes up in value and which bit technically goes down in value, okay? We get some capital growth, yes. The capital growth and the rent goes up in value. But specifically, James and Sam, um, yep, Sam's on it right now. Sam, the land value. So the land value. Now, uh, I'll put a little caveat in there, folks. Um, uh, well, it just, it, even with apartments, townhouses, and houses, it still plays true. Land value, you know, even though the pieces of land in comparison for an apartment is uh, quite a lot smaller, um, land or or um, uh, location value increases, okay? So the land goes up in value. Let's look at this as we're having a bit of a look. Oh, there's my little thing, my giveaway here. Um, so the land goes up in value. So we've got a block of dirt that goes up in value, okay? But the house goes down in value, right? Okay, it goes down in value. Let's say the combination that you paid was 300K for the land and 300K for the house, okay? So let's say that the land value or the combination of the two uh, technically went up to 400k and now technically the house value went down to 200k let's say over a five-year period okay five years so this is the process of depreciation this is depreciation on your house on your property and this is how we get the ability in real estate to get some fantastic tax deductions, team, okay? Tax deductions in real estate. Now, uh, I've heard this, um, unfortunately, many times from, uh, let's say, well-meaning accountants and maybe not even well-meaning accountants. Sometimes they're just bloody lazy. Oh, don't, don't claim the depreciation. You only have to pay it back when you sell it, um, which is true. There's a certain amount of the depreciation you have to put back in and then it all gets divvied up and calculated for a capital gain. 
right? So what happens is you claim the the taxes as you go, team. So that's the depreciation and your in your offset against your income. And then if you were to sell that property, then you would have to add back a certain amount of that depreciation back into the price or the 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 calculations, and it would be all then calculated in capital gains tax. Matter of fact, in the long run, capital gains tax is the is the most efficient tax to pay because you can manage it, and I'll 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 talk about that another time. Um, but tell me, gang, what's the secret? What's the secret here at, at Positive when we talk about buying? What is our catch cry? What's our number one catch cry here when we talk about this, which would be completely irrelevant? <clears throat> to that conversation. Number one, oh, don't claim it. You just have to pay it back later, which, you know, who cares? Because we are here for what? We're here, hey, good way of protest. Buy well, never sell. You buy well, you never sell, then who cares? You get to keep the tax deductions forever because this property is yours to keep forever, okay? We're buying something that we're very happy to own and maintain into the future because that's the point, team. That's the point. Well, that's what we're doing this for, okay? So don't listen to that rubbish. And even if you uh, chose or sold a property, then you divvy it up, you wash it all out, and it, it's not like there's extra mo- there's money you have to like pay back in real cash. It gets divvied up in the capital gain, um, and away you go. So not a big deal. Now, look, folks. If you're a high-income earner, if you're earning combination between you and your partner over $80,000, um, then this stuff like positive um, uh, negative uh, gearing to create a positive cash flow property or accelerate your cash flow is absolutely fantastic. And and for those earning a little bit less, it's, it's absolutely essential that you get this extra boost, this extra a bumper for your property and your cash flow, okay? So your your house value went up, or not, uh, your land value went up, your house value technically went down, okay? And that's not exactly true, by the way, folks, because, um, you know, inflation and all of this sort of stuff, okay? Because technically the underlying value of a house to construct the house goes up over time too. So technically that's not, super accurate, but for this demonstration, for depreciation, who cares? Basically, the ATO says that a bunch of this stuff in the house have got, has gone down in value. You can offset that against the income that you earned this year and pay less tax. Boom. And let's have a quick look at what that looks like. Um, hopefully, my screen here works, my little screen share. Hopefully, you guys can see that in there. When uh when we're when we're looking at this, make that a smidgen bigger. Um, so if you guys can see the calculator there, you know if you go and buy a property, let's say six hundred thousand dollars up here, chuck all the numbers in there, and I've just I've just pre-done the numbers. Interest only, team. Remember that interest only for the first three to five years. Build that buffer up, tuck that money away. Um. And uh, we come over here. I've just put a an average annual income of a hundred thousand um, dollars. That's not the tax rate, by the way. That's the tax paid in cash, team. Um, as we go, 
And then, you know, chosen this calculator here. You can go off to BMT. There's a little click on that button there. You can go off to BMT uh, QS. Those guys do... Um, <laughs> that's the way to roll, Alison. The house keeps going up. Quality problem indeed. Um, so um, you get some depreciation on a property, all right? And what that does is it flows through, team. It flows through to here. Um, and I'm not going to dive deep into the calculator. I've done that um, before. But what happens is your rent comes in, your total interest plus your uh, property expenses, it's actually just the property's a smidgen positive cash flow. So you actually it's cash flow right off the bat in your pocket, all expenses paid. But on paper, on paper, because you have this depreciation of $25,000 plus the, all of the costs, which is the uh, interest um, and the uh the property expenses, et cetera, they all add up to the total deductions. Technically, on paper, you made a $26,000 loss. So of the $25,000 over here, look at this, of the $26,000 in tax that you paid up the top there, all right, then you get $7,000 of that back. Boom, mic drop. Okay, fantastic. And here's the other stupid thing I hear. Here's the other stupid thing I hear from advisors and stuff like that. Oh, listen, you know, I wouldn't rely on it. It's not real money. <clears throat> um, what a stupid comment. It's real money. It's cash. If you don't want your tax deductions, if you don't want your depreciation, give it to me. <laughs> I'll happily take it. Let me tell you. Um, you know, uh, at the end of the day, folks, um, every cent counts when it comes to us keeping going when it comes to our property investing, okay? Um, the other thing that I hear often is uh, accountants say, oh, you should buy this in a property, this this property in a company trust. And for some people, that is appropriate. But for most PAYG, it is completely inappropriate, okay? Because... The accountant's going, oh, later on when you sell it, we're not selling it, folks, just so we know. We're not selling it. Or oh, later on you can do this stuff with capital gains tax. Well, who cares? Because if for the next 30 years that property is negative cash flow because I can't claim any depreciation and I can't directly in my personal income as a PAYG earner get any of my income into a company or a trust, then it's that stupid idea, okay? And uh, I might do a bit of a wealth copy chat on that one too, um, folks. If you uh, if you if you're keen on that, and I know uh, one of the team asked me the other day to dive into you know what's what's um, uh, what's repairs and maintenance and what's um, you know capital works, and and I'll I'll dive I'll jump in on that one too. Yeah, Alison, that's it. Like you know, setting up a company or a trust is expensive, team. Expensive. And it traps all the losses. It traps all the depreciation inside the company and trust. You can't use it as an individual. So not only you can't get any tax deductions as an individual, you pay more in interest. You pay you often. It's harder to borrow. Uh, and then it costs you between two and five thousand dollars to do the tax returns every year. It's a disaster. It's a nightmare. 
to own properties and company trust for 90% of property investors. It is inappropriate and it drives me nuts, just like Alison's saying. <clears throat> so be aware, folks, that uh, that who's talking to you about what because sometimes they're, uh, they're not necessarily thinking about you. Now, um, here's just a quick example. Alison will be pretty happy with this. Here's a quick example of when we talk about the flight to quality. I might make that a little bit bigger. Um, let's do that. Yeah, that's a bit better. Um, when we talk about the flight to quality team, when um, uh, when we talk about the the quality of the properties that you get to invest in, you know, uh, sometimes people say, "Oh, you know, uh, apartments." Now, listen, gang, I love apartments, houses, townhouses. I own all of them. Okay, I have no bias or or from one to the other. I've never experienced something better or worse when it comes to uh, either of them. The challenge is, for me, and maybe for you, apartments are easier to get wrong than houses. That's what I see often um, because most investors go for price over quality, and that's a poor choice. That's a bad way to invest. But anyway, that's not what I'm talking about today. Let's just look at this. Depreciation with a furniture package um, in a couple of these opportunities, $31,000 of depreciation in the first year. Check that out. If, you have, if you're on 100K, now you minus $31,000, okay, that is now your, um, your tax rate team, your tax rate now has dropped your income because that 31K and there's probably more expenses there, to be honest, because you've got um, interest and all that sort of stuff. Let's say the interest was uh, 20K as well. All right. So that uh, drops it down to $49,000 of income, right? You've got to add back in your rent, et cetera, et cetera, and all that sort of stuff. But you get it, team. Like What that does is it drops your, your depreciation down or your income down um, and you get to pay less tax. So this is flight to quality. This is quality, okay? Flight to quality, quality properties, quality properties plus often uh, a good uh, a good furniture package can get significant, significant team, significant tax deductions, which is just amazing for property investors. Um, so there you go. Uh, ben, give us a shout-out here with a quick question. He said, okay, uh, what about business owners? Ben, um, depending on the business owner's setup, sometimes sometimes it's appropriate for a business owner to have company and trust structures. So um, you and I will catch up on that one. Uh, what I do like, though, for me, is the first maybe – Three to five properties, even if you are a business owner, can be purchased in your personal name because that is a um, there is a an extra tax minimization strategy there with personal name and being paid and payg income. There's a, there's quite a lot of benefits in setting yourself up looking like that, uh, and then anything over and above those properties, then certainly company and trust structures certainly help. So um, 
let's catch up on that one, Ben. I know, um, um, I know you and I have got a few chats to have. And Alison, yep, get your money back out and move on to the next deal. The faster you do that, team, the better off you're going to be. Okay, buy well, never sell. This thing's a marathon, not a sprint, and every cent counts. And uh, last but not least, one of the big misnomers I hear from you know accountants and that sort of stuff. Oh, wait till the end of the year to claim your tax. No. Claim it as you go. You are paying your taxes as you go. You can do what's called a PAYG variation. And every week, fortnight or month, depending on your pay cycle, you can get your tax minimization going uh, in that sequence. So, folks, there you go. Uh, Hopefully that made sense this morning. Sorry about the technical difficulties (laughs) we had. and We started a little bit late. I know everyone's got to go. 8.30, everyone's got stuff to do. So I'll leave you guys to it. Uh, another Wealth Coffee Chat done and dusted for 13th of September. Tomorrow, we'll go off without a hitch. No technical difficulties tomorrow, let me tell you. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how we go, Jason. All right. Great to have you guys here. Thanks for joining me, folks. And, um, yeah, let's hang out tomorrow around about the same time, 8.05, for another Wealth Coffee Chat. Bye, team. Take care. Bye for now. <laughs>